And I think it's time that we start the conversation to silence the shame. Silence the shame. Silence the shame. Silence the shame. Silence is the difference between treatment or pain, life or death. Silence the shame. Speak up now and silence. 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 Silence the shame. What's up? What's up, everybody? It's your girl, Shanti Das, the host of the Silence of Shame podcast. I am so excited to be here in the month of October, and we have two incredible guests today. But first, I got to introduce my co-host, Free the Vision. What's up, Free? What's going on, Shanti? I am good. Been on a little bit of a travel whirlwind. Been in New York and L.A. out here trying to make things happen, trying to get these folks Not to trying, silence the doing, shame. Doing, you know, doing. you know. Well, something. how you been? I'm doing well. Been in New York. And on my way back here in Atlanta, enjoying this. Yeah, shout out to my homeboy, Charlemagne the God. I was up in New York doing his Mental Wealth Expo. Mm-hmm. It was incredible. Amazing. Yes. Amazing. Yeah, so shout out to all the panelists and all the beautiful folks that contributed to that as we continue to do this important work around mental health. But without further ado, you know I'm excited, right? Hold up. Because let's just be honest. Y'all know I'm a sports fan. Yes. Everybody that follow my IG, girl. you know, I'm a half girly girl, you know, <laughs> half tomboy. I used to be a football trainer and love basketball and baseball. And we have some incredible, incredible um, folks that are going to be joining us right now. Um, first up, I'd like to introduce Dr. Kinsa Gunter. She is a clinical and sports psychologist based in Atlanta, Georgia. She is committed to humanizing conversations about mental health and acknowledging the impact of individual cultural social actors when talking about mental health and wellness. And also, y'all, she's a big deal. Dr. Gunter currently serves as a director of NBA Mind Health, which is the league's mental health and wellness platform. And, you know, we've done work uh, with the league before, but mm-hmm. not at this level. Mm-hmm. So, y'all, let's give a warm, warm, warm welcome to Dr. Gunter. Welcome to the podcast. Welcome, welcome. Hello, hello, hello. Thank you all so much for the opportunity to be here. And Shanti, thank you for that wonderful introduction. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Thank you. And last but not least, uh, a really, really amazing, incredible brother that's a part of the conversation today. Let's welcome B.J. Armstead. He is a former Division I athlete and played baseball for 20 years. He holds a bachelor's degree in Spanish from Morehouse College, a master's degree in social work from the University of Georgia. Oh, my gosh. Okay, brother. A master's degree in sports psychology and Mm -hmm. motor behavior from the University of Tennessee and is currently, y'all, earning his Ph.D., Okay, at the University of Georgia. Let's welcome BJ Armstead to the Come on, show. Doctor. Soon hello, to hello. be Doctor Armstead. How you doing? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me. Gosh, <laughs> you you guys are both doing incredible work, and we're gonna jump right in. So I'll I'll, I'll position this first question to both of you all. And both of you are former athletes. What led you to pursue careers in mental in the mental health field, and how did your experience in sports shape your perspective? Dr. Gunner, you want to go? I'll let you have that first. Sure. Okay. So I, it's interesting. I initially became interested in physical therapy as a way of thinking through how to help athletes when they were unable to be on the court because I played high school basketball and I was injured. And so at that point, Mm -hmm. working with my physical therapist kind of highlighted this idea that there are times when athletes need help and support when they're not on the court. So who are the people that service them? So I went to school, thought I was going to be a physical therapist, took organic chemistry, quickly changed my mind and realized that I was very passionate about psychology, really had taken a lot of classes and was fascinated by what makes people tick and how to help people move in the ways that they want to in their lives. And so that led me to shift from physical therapy to the area of mental health. And so from from undergrad, I had Mm. that passion and just pursued it through 
uh, my doctoral work. But to your question, my, my experience of being injured is what initially led me to think about who supports the athlete when they're unable to perform in the ways that they Ooh, want. That's mm-hmm. A, mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's funny you say yeah, that. I, uh, go ahead, BJ. I, I would say um, my, my path is a little bit different. Um, I My path, I believe, was pre- preordained by God to be in the mm-hmm. mental health space. Uh, my mother's been a, a social worker in Atlanta for, I don't know, since the 80s. And so uh, me being born in 95, I, as soon as I was born, it seemed like I was going to juvenile uh, detention centers and working with case managers and like doing everything from the social work aspect. And then growing up around psychologists, uh, LPCs, licensed professional counselors, licensed clinical social workers going that route. Um, and then I had an experience when I was in high school uh, going through a lot of mental, very traumatic mental things uh, from a sports perspective. And so for me, that was pretty much what I, what got me into the mental health space. And I started to research things such as stress, anxiety, depression, trauma, um, and certain things I had been through and also had a relationship to sports. So that was pretty much my path to mental health. I want to go back to something Dr. Gunter said about and what got you interested interested in doing this work. And, and that was when you talked about, you know, who supports the athlete, right, when they go through things. And, and particularly when you mm-hmm. think about, you know, the sport of football um, and, and basketball to a certain degree, you know, so many players get hurt from week to week, right? Me having mm-hmm. my fantasy football league, I'm like, okay, <laughs> who's questionable this week? Who's on injured reserve? But, you know, all jokes aside, that that's tough, right? On the mental sure. psyche of an athlete from week to week. And this is your dream, right? This is your life goal of something that you dreamed about playing in these big leagues or even yep. just a little leaguer. You know, that's your big shot, getting out there with your team. And so talk a little bit about, you know, what does it look like when an athlete gets hurt and 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 just the emotional toll that it can take on one? I think it can look like a lot of different things, right? Because people respond to situations differently. But if you think about someone who's pr- participating in sport at an elite level, there's a good chance that who they are as a person, their identity is kind of wrapped up in yes. their performance to some degree. Mm-hmm. And it really is a huge part of how they define themselves, how others define them, they're invested in it. Generally Mm -hmm. speaking, it's a passion and something that they want to excel in. So to be in a situation where you cannot participate in that sport, Mm -hmm. you cannot do what it is that you have been doing for a significant part of your life can really feel like um, a challenge. Like it can be, it it can rock you a little bit, right? And And I think we have to think about the extent of the injury, right? Because yes. injuries are different. There right. are some of course. that you may be able to manage. There are some that take you away from the field or the court, and there are some that could be career ending. Mm-hmm. So I also think the the intensity of the injury really does impact the experience. But for anybody, just imagine doing something you love, doing it every day, and then not being able to do it, mm-hmm. right? It can be isolating. It can be, you can be angry about it. It can be a lonely experience, but it also can be an opportunity, right? To think about recovery and health and to get support in a different way. But it really can be hard just in general to be away from the sport because it's just not, it's not just you can't play the sport, but usually your health is impacted too, Mm -hmm. right? And so thinking about regaining your health as a way of then regaining the ability to participate in your sport, it's it's multi-layered. Um, and really requires a lot of support and a lot of understanding for what the athlete is going through. And I, I wanted to just because you said something that I was actually thinking and going to um, ask about when it comes to identity. Um, a lot of times you've trained maybe your whole life for this. 
And so you expect that to be where you kind of have as your future path to. And when that changes, um, would you say that it's almost similar to like having grief or like grieving the fact that you don't know what's next or you don't even know what to do next? And now you kind of have to redefine yourself in this moment, um, what that kind of support is like or, or the need for support in that moment. Yeah, I think it can absolutely be a grief and loss process. Anytime we go through a transition, by definition, that means that we are letting go of one thing in order to grab something else or hold Mm -hmm. on to something else. Mm -hmm. And when there's an unknown around what that something else or what's coming next, right, that can be challenging. But to your point about grief, the letting go, that's a loss. Mm -hmm. And so it, it and grief and having that experiencing that loss isn't a bad thing, but it is something that we have to be intentional about navigating um, because it can absolutely feel like you're losing something that's been a huge part of your life. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and again, it may make room for something else, but just because there's room for something else doesn't mean that you should not allow space and time to grieve what's being lost. hundred percent. I want to go to you next, BJ. Um, can you talk to us about Apollo Sports Counseling and, and the importance of, you know, organizations like that and, and the work that you all do? Yes, ma'am. Absolutely. Um, Apollo Sports Counseling is a 501c3 a nonprofit that aims to educate high school and collegiate athletes on mental health. Um, whether that look like stress, anxiety, depression, trauma. We do workshops, presentations, one-on-one with them. Our whole aim is to educate them on the aspects of mental health. And, you know, when you look at the population that we work with, mainly high school athletes and young adults, college athletes as well, um, there are so many different distractions that happen in their life, right? But I don't not only take them away from being the best athlete they can be, but also being the best person they could be. Mm-hmm. And so we want to make sure that we, you know, inform them of things that, could potentially happen or, or or help them get through things that they're going through now. One thing that I'm extremely proud of right now is looking at the, the athletic field right now, right? So football, the NBA, um, the NFL, the MLB, all other professional mm-hmm. sports, more athletes are coming out now about mental health, which I'm extremely proud of. Mm-hmm. Um, and also when you look at the Power 5 schools, you know, big name schools like Georgia, like Florida, like Alabama, these athletes are being educated on this, on this sort of stuff. But what happens to the athlete that's in high school or younger than that, right? Why don't we educate them now so that by the time they get up to the Power Five schools or mm-hmm. college at college sports in general, um, they'll already have those tools and that knowledge to already go through what they're going through, so and handle it the right way. So, hundred percent, and kudos to your organization and what you all do. And you know, I I uh, we interview a lot of athletes. Um, again, I used to have a um, a career in music, and so kind of going back to why I love sports and entertainment, you know, I just kind of came up in the music business and we all know a lot of athletes want to be artists and artists want to be athletes. (laughs) So I met a lot of these, you know, young men and women along the way. And so at Silence of Shame, you know, we've talked to to Keel Spikes, uh, Warwick Dunn, um, Jermaine Jones, former NBA player. And we've, we've seen DeMar DeRozan, Kevin Love, Trey Young, all these people open up and Marcus Smith, who is a former NFL player, he and I are actually launching a college speaking tour around sports and entertainment and kind of sharing our stories. I want to go back to you, Dr. Gunter, and and given the work that you do in the league, the NBA specifically, can you talk about how you've seen the shift in the culture? And I know that a lot of this shift really started um, more so after the pandemic. I think um, a lot of the leagues were were doing, you know, a little bit right in terms Mm -hmm. of emotional health and wellness. But now we know that it is a priority, right? Um, and is a very important part of each organization now. So talk a little bit more about 
um, mind health and the work that you do and the importance of what BJ was saying with all these athletes um, opening up, what does that really mean? And kind of like, where do you see the future of mental health and wellness um, in sport specifically on the, you know, the professional level? Yeah. So with the mind health program, I mean, our vision um, if I could share, is that we are trying to humanize this conversation about mental health, right? Mm-hmm. And position mental health as an essential element of excellence, wellness, and performance, both on and off the court. Mm-hmm. And so when we think about humanizing this conversation, I think that part really speaks to what BJ just talked about in terms of athletes coming out and sharing their stories. Mm-hmm. Right? I think that's been a huge part of what has resulted in the shift that we have seen as it relates specifically to the conversation about mental health and sport, but also as it relates to the conversation about mental health in general. Mm-hmm. We see these individuals who we label and think of as being extremely successful, as elite, as, as really being able to accomplish outstanding things in their field of play. Mm-hmm. And then we also have an opportunity to hear from them directly about their stories as people, mm-hmm. right? And so having this awareness and this understanding that we can praise the performance, but we need to honor and allow room for the person mm-hmm. really is what drives mind health is trying to honor the lived experience while also providing those tools that allow them to elevate their performance. Cause that's what we want. We know they want to do while also really humanizing this. And I think I, I give a lot of credit to athletes, even dating back to Shamiqua Holesclaw. Absolutely. Yes. Who I love her. Yes. Athletes. Absolutely. Yes. Like she was one of the first. And we've talked to her a, too. Yeah. Shared her story. Right. I mean, she's a huge mental health advocate. And then mm-hmm. you come forward to 2018 when DeMar DeRozan shared his tweet about mm-hmm. depression. Sometimes mm-hmm. depression gets the best of me. Yep. And that led to and opened the door for a range of athletes across professional sports to really talk more about their experience. And I think that's the thing, too, is when we're talking about mental health, we're not just talking about signs, symptoms, diagnoses, stressors. Mm-hmm. We're truly talking about people's lived experience. Yes. And so yeah. I think that's huge. As you talk about the future of mental health, I think there are a few things that come to mind. One is thinking about mental health more as a continuum. Mm-hmm. So we absolutely need to have support in place when people are in moments of distress or dealing with adversity. But we also need to look at the other continuum and the other side of mental health. There's illness, but there's also wellness. Mm-hmm. And how can we be more proactive in our approach to talking about mental health in our society and within sport? It also goes back to something that BJ just said in terms of his company and, and teaching youth, right? Teaching mm-hmm. and educating and providing support to youth. I would ask you and any of your listeners, how many of you had a class about naming emotions? Mm. <laughs> right? Like, That's hold excellent. Up. Hold, hold up. That's something there. Wait, bring that beat back. Bring how that beat back. Say it again, like, Dr. Gunner. <laughs> yeah, like how many of you had a class about self-care and mm-hmm. how to regulate mm-hmm. your emotions, mm-hmm. how to express yourself in ways that get that allow you to get your needs met? How many of you even ha- know that you can have needs mm-hmm. and that's not a problem? Right. So I think if we educate kids earlier, then what we do is equip kids that become informed adults. Yes. Right. And so I think that education has to start. The other thing I'll say and then I'll pause is I think what we've done historically is we've treated mental health as though it's an exclusively individual issue. Right. Mm -hmm. Like it's something that the individual has to deal with. The individual has to address. It's something going on with you. Go take care of that and then come back to us without recognizing Mm -hmm. that we as people are impacted by what happens in us, to us and around us. So, yes, when we think about mental health, we do need to think about how we take care of ourselves. But we also have to look at the social impacts that affect our mental health and the societal and systemic factors and think about how we are addressing mental health at those levels. 
right? Mm -hmm. That requires a level of collective care to complement our individual care. And I don't think we can have one without the other if we truly want to address. Yes, you are dropping knowledge up in here. Both Mm -hmm. of y'all, oh my gosh, Dr. Gunn and BJ, I'm so excited. And I do want to shout out the Atlanta Hawks basketball program. Um, They partnered with Silence to Shame earlier this year. So shout out to my girl Andrea and Melissa and everybody over at the Hawks. They gave us a grant, Dr. Gunter, and we created what's called the uh, Youth Mental Wellness Cope Clinic, which is community Uh outreach and practice effort. And so we had a series of different events that we did with youth in the Atlanta area. We did a uh, I curated and moderated a conversation with Trey Young and the singer Chloe Bailey. And we sent that out to the different school systems. And then we also did you know, different wellness activities and self-care programs at one of the rec centers here at the MLK Center. So we're trying, we're trying to get to them younger um, and trying to do more work. So hopefully there's, who knows, I'm going to put it out there. Maybe there's a partnership with the NBA and Sounds of Shame one day so we can help these communities. I'm not holding you to it. It's just a shameless plug. <laughs> but I hope Manifest. Can, yes, got to put it out yeah. there. Yeah. No, but, but in all serious, seriousness, you are right. We do have to continue to you know, really find more opportunities. And and I ask this to both of you, what, if you could name it or, you know, even envision it, what mental health support do you feel like is lacking amongst the teams and the sporting brands? Go for it, BJ. Mm. That's, a, that's, that's <laughs> a very good question. <laughs> I mean, I had to think about that. Um, so, I mean, and I let me just there. say, do you think they're even because we talk about the players, right? right. And we talk about um, the kids. But what about the, the coaches? coaches? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah, all of no, the staff sure. that are supporting. Yeah, no, I, I, I'm, I'm big. I'm big on 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 your on, I hate to say it like this, but I'm big on your island. Right. Every team has an island. Mm-hmm. Right. And so what I mean by that is your island is anything that you consume so whether it's conversations with the coach it's it can be something as as, as, as small as the foods that you eat right but all that impacts your mental health right what you're consuming conversations you're having who's around you the energy that's around you who you're listening to in an authoritative figure meaning the coach mm-hmm. right and so there's a lot of different things that can go into the island um and then also too in terms of coaching I, and I get back to the original question uh once I'm done with this but mm-hmm. also too when it comes to coaching is those coaches also need some mental health assistance as well right because mm-hmm. they're going through a lot they're mm-hmm. going through different mm-hmm. things that they have to deal with that they don't tell their team about that they don't tell their parents about they don't tell their spouses about um and so from that aspect that's big as well but I think um there's a there's a number of things with that I think when we speak, when we think about sports, I was a baseball player, and so when you look at baseball being a game of failure, mm. when you look at it being, uh, 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 you're extremely scared of the end result. I kind of nickname anxiety your body's response to a fearful future, because it's your body's responding to a fearful future. Mm-hmm. Um, but also too, in terms of results, right? You might not get the result that you want, and now you're facing. Uh, dep- symptoms of depression. Now you're facing, you know, stress about the next game, and now you're something's happened, and now you're going through trauma. Like these are real things that different teams go through, different athletes go through every single day. You know, and every athlete is different. That's actually something that Dr. Gunter has taught me uh, a couple years ago. She taught me every every athlete was different. Mm-hmm. Um, but speaking of that, I can't tell you how many times I've gone to a high school and spoke to athletes and you know, just allowing them to have that safe space to talk about different emotions that they've had, different things that they've been through and seeing 
I mean, tears come out of these, come out of these young men and women, mm-hmm. you know, because they have that space now to speak on things. Mm-hmm. And, you know, being, and not only that, but allowing them to, to hear and feel what their teammate is going through. You got coaches, to your point, you got coaches that will come out and say certain things as well that they've been going through, that they've been trying to keep in for a very long time. Mm-hmm. You know, in our community, that's what we do. That's our thing to keep in our emotions. Mm-hmm. That's right. right. But when you have a space where you can let all of that out, and 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 now you know the team is getting closer. Now you have situations where I, he- I I've heard from this person what they're really going through for the very first time. So I think there's a number of re- a number of, of different things that teams have gone through, whether it's stress, uh, depression, facing anxiety, not only from a on field perspective but also off field as well. There's a life that athletes have off the field mm-hmm. that they still yes. go through different mental mental uh, uh, symptoms for mental mental illness symptoms with. So uh, there's a number of things. So I'm, I'm glad you said that because uh, we, we talk a lot about what happens on the court, right, or on the field. But there is life outside of football or outside mm-hmm. of baseball or back, soccer, whatever it is that you play. Dr. Gunner, can you, can, Gunter, can you talk about, you know, what you all do in terms of supporting the whole athlete? Almost how they talk about the whole child, right, in education mm-hmm. and supporting the whole athlete. Because, you know, some of them come from you know, domestic violence situations growing up or the athlete is the sole provider, right, financially. Sure. So that adds a whole level of stress outside of the field of sure. play. Um, so that mm-hmm. can really be a lot and, and really challenging for athletes. And and sometimes I don't think we, we as the larger community give them enough grace, just mm-hmm. understanding all that they have to deal with. Absolutely. I think focusing exclusively on the performance dehumanizes them, Mm. right? We just see them as performers and we don't think about the very real human life that they are living. Mm -hmm. Um, And and their performance is a part of that, right? Mm -hmm. And so I think to your point, it's kind of remembering that they're people first, right? right? If they never play another moment or never play another (laughs) down or never play another second, they're people first. And so I think that becomes really important for us to hold as fact mm-hmm. when we are working with these individuals, right? And and one of the things that, that we try to do is Mind Health works very closely with our player development group mm-hmm. within the NBA. And player development is absolutely all about um, trying to make room for players' aspirations to thrive, particularly and exclusively off the court. Like okay. they are designed and geared as a department and a program to help develop the person, right? And so they think about think about things like business development, identity development, um, thinking about offering support for their family, support as they transition into the league, support while they're while they're in their career. Mm-hmm. Right. That's what player development does is really look to provide that that handhold um, and that 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 opportunity to learn and grow as a person while you are moving through your athletic career. And I also think with mind health, our three tenets are humanizing mental health, elevating performance and honoring lived experience. And I really think that honoring lived experience part is also where we humanize and try to humanize the person and think about how we can provide resources that take care of them. And to the point that was mentioned earlier, it's not just the players like within mind health, every team has a relationship with the designated mental health professional. So there's some resource that's available. Mm -hmm. And in many cases, they're not just available to the players, but they're also available to the coaches. And in some cases, the staff, Mm -hmm. because like you all are saying, right? Like everybody in this ecosystem is human. And wherever you have a human, you have somebody who has mental health. You don't necessarily have somebody who has mental illness, but you have somebody who has mental health. Mm -hmm. And so I think in terms of 
what we can do is it has to be a range of services, right? They have to be preventative, preventative, proactive. They have to address off-court interests. They have to address the person while also looking at ways to help folks enhance their performance. But it has to be a multifaceted program that touches on the different elements of that person's life in order for them to feel like, one, they're not being reduced to just a performer, and two, there are resources available to help them develop as people. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Any I, thoughts on that, BJ? No, absolutely. Absolutely. I love what she said. I I um I think sometimes we have a tendency as athletes to take our identity from sports and impute that into life mm-hmm. subliminally, right? Or subconsciously, I mean. Um, and what I mean by that is the positives as well as the negatives. So athletes making that transition from sport into life without sport is can be very detrimental at times because of the fact that, oh, I had this specific thing happen when I was on the court when I was 16, and this is a, this has impacted the way I look at myself, right? And so anytime you have an opportunity to talk about those things, it's important. I think something else that Dr. Gunter said um, was in terms of every team having a relationship with a mental health advocate, mental health professional is so key. Mm-hmm. I mean, so key. Um, because that's a resource that could be the most important in their life at that moment, right? And so, you, again, a lot of times athletes, uh, they're, they're, I don't want to say their value, but where where they look the strongest and most important that to themselves is the, is the court, is mm-hmm. the field. Their persona. Right, because they've done that for so long, and for so long they've been good at that specific thing. And so, of course, they're not one of them. They don't want to show that weakness while they're on the court. They don't want to show that weakness on the field. But now that you imputed that relationship with that mental health clinician, now you have somebody to go to. You have a resource to go to where you can get help for those things. So I think it's, I mean, it's genius. I love it. Mm -hmm. And there's something I wanted to draw out that you said earlier, uh, BJ. I wanted to make sure that I heard you correctly. You said that you have coined anxiety as your body's response to a fearful future. Is that what you said? Okay. Yes. I really, really, really like that. And I felt like I wanted that to be heard because I think that that's something that um, can play into the anxiety of even if you think of athletes and what they're going into and the pressure that they face going on to whatever their medium is, whether it's the field or the court, um, going into it with the expectations of winning and with the expectations of who they are being tied into their wins um, and how they view winning and losing. Um, and then what happens to them after those moments, too, because if you if you win, then you're high, you know, but when when you lose and how you take that L and if you had any contribution to that, then you're low. And those things um, become a part of identity. I think I think that most times to the point that you also just made is that like a lot of athletes are th- their their athleticism is their identity. So when they come off, how they engage with others, what others want to talk to them about, how others see them, how people commodify them, all of those type of things are really ingrained in their identity, but their identity as an athlete versus asking solely how are they doing, what is what's on their mind specifically outside of the work that they're doing, or even seeing it as work, more so Mm -hmm. than seeing it as who they are. Yeah. 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 I thought that yeah, that there, there's correct. definitely there's definitely a difference in who, in, in who you are and what you do. Absolutely. You know, that's, that's Absolutely. I always tell young athletes, I always tell them that there's a difference in who you are and what you do. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the, <laughs> I'm laughing now because one of the first things that I I would have a discussion with, you know, with with a young athlete about is, 
you know, there's so much pressure. I teach a, a cycle called EPNA, right? EPNA, right? Expectation. So you, you have expectations on how you're supposed to play, right? The numbers are supposed to put up, how you're supposed to hustle and do all this other stuff when it comes to sports. And then the P is the pressure. You feel the pressure, whether it's from an outside source or it's a pressure that you put on yourself. Parental pressure as well as an outside source. Um, social pressure. Now you got social media that's going crazy right now. Um, then the end is the nervousness. So now you feel nervous, mm-hmm. right? From all of the pressure, from the expectations that you have on you to perform, put up numbers. Then the anxiety is that overarching piece. But what I what I what I would ask them first, you know, if if they're saying like I feel pressure, I feel anxiety, I who are your friends? Who are mm-hmm. the people that's tied to you first and foremost? Mm-hmm. Who's in your inner circle? Mm-hmm. Do they only know you for what you do? Mm-hmm. Do they only know you as I use myself as an example because I was one of them. BJ the shortstop. Mm-hmm. BJ the baseball player. Mm-hmm. Right. So now you get into a situation where the thing that you the thing that you've always been good at, you start failing a little bit at. And because that's been your identity, you don't know who you are anymore. Because mm-hmm. now you don't have the game anymore because you're failing at it. You still play it, but of course, but now you're failing at the game. And so you feel like the very thing that you've always had that you've always been good at has betrayed you. Right. Mm-hmm. And so then you don't know who you are. But again, I would ask who's in your inner circle? Who are your friends? Do you have any friends that can care less if you play your sport or not? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What 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 else do you like doing? Yes. A lot, a lot of, mm-hmm. a lot of support the things outside of your sports. hundred <laughs> yeah, percent. So, BJ, I have this thing is similar. It's, it's, I, I say who's in your starting five. Right. Because mm-hmm. you cannot mm-hmm. you can't play a game. We know. Right. Mm-hmm. In the NBA, unless you got five players on that court, not a right. one person over or less. So you got to have at least five people in your inner circle, to your point, or in your starting five that really can come from a place of empathy and not sympathy that you can call them right mm-hmm. there on speed dial and they'll be there for you and they won't judge you. They're going to mm-hmm. just be there for the person, not the athlete, right? Not for what you might do. You might be the big dude on campus, big man on campus. No, who really, you know, is mm-hmm. down for you, mm-hmm. right? Yes. Extremely important. Yes. So yes. I, I, what does the future of wellness look like in sport? Mm-hmm. I hope it looks... I hope it looks more preventative and proactive, Mm -hmm. right? I hope it looks like the same way that we have athletic trainers and strength and conditioning coaches and physical therapists and medical doctors available to attend to whatever the physical needs are. Right. My hope is that we have those resources available, but at the same time, right, we have practice so that they can develop skills, right? We have workout sessions so that they can build their strength and their flexibility and their cardio. Mm -hmm. And my hope is that we would treat mental health the same way. Instead of only thinking about our mental health Mm -hmm. when there's an issue or when there's a problem, my hope is that we will think about how we can develop our mental fitness in a proactive way, starting at a young age, Mm -hmm. right? So we integrate some of those mental performance skills, goal setting, self-talk, motivation, um, imagery and visualization, mindfulness into We combine that with the physical practice that folks do. So they are learning skills to help them mentally in the same way that they learn and practice skills to help them develop physically. So that would be my hope is that we continue to offer support when when people are in distress and when they're on the illness side of the continuum, but we put much more effort and intention into building up people's um, skills and building up their proverbial toolbox, if you will, so that they will be equipped to handle and deal with 
um, things when they happen from a mental health standpoint. So teaching and naming emotions, mm. learning to ask for that. help, I love like learning about you know, self-care strategies. Like what can I do mm-hmm. to take care of and soothe myself in a moment? Who can I turn to? Because social support is a huge part of that, mm-hmm. right? What, how can I change my self-talk so that my internal critic is not the loudest voice, mm-hmm. right? How can I learn how to manage and, and train my voice to be more encouraging even to myself, right? Mm-hmm. So teaching some of those mental performance skills that can translate not only to what we do in our sport, but also into life. That's my hope is that we take more of a preventative proactive approach that's excellent. i love the teaching and naming emotions because i think that that's mm-hmm. the core and the the it's the it's the foundation i think that people mm-hmm. know how they they don't really know how they feel you ask a person it's like i'm all right or like mm, i don't even know like it's right. Okay. right you know it is what it is or you know they'll say all of these different things beyond being able to actually call it out for what it is and when you can call something by name then you can address it Absolutely. hundred percent. And and the future is now, to your point, Absolutely. Dr. Right. Gunter. Yeah. We, we got to teach our kids. We got to raise our babies and, and really um, educate and, and continue to normalize this conversation so we can equip them with the tools. BJ, what does the future of uh, wellness and sport look like for you? You know, similar to what Dr. Gunter said, um, I would like to see more value placed on the mental side, which is, it's, it's weird because it's a side that you can't see until you want to see it. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't see that until you want to see it. Um, but I, I would like to see more value placed on it from a, a, a athletic perspective, meaning from the player and also the people who are in authoritative figures, um, like coaches, like parents. Um, you know, and I, and I say that because for so long, we've been neglecting that. Mm-hmm. We don't want, we don't want to, we, we deal with it later. Mm-hmm. Right. We, we, we see the physicality. It's always do one more push up, do one more rep than the next mm-hmm. person that you plan against. Mm-hmm. Right. The physical side we see, but value is not placed from the, from the coaches. You might have a high school coach who's 85 years old and been coaching there for 60 years. And he's going to say, why do I need to pay attention to these things? Mm-hmm. So I would like to see value placed on it from a, a parents and coach's perspective, but also a player perspective and also the willingness to listen as well and be open to it. I know it's, it's, it's new. Um, obviously this mental, the mental side of, I mean, overall mental performance, mental health, right. It's a newer topic in sports. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are a lot of advantages to it. There are a lot of different things that players can become better at it, uh, at their game from, you know, taking heed to learning about the mental side. So I would say just seeing value placed on it and being willing to learn about it more. Uh-huh. Man, y'all are so knowledgeable. Did you want to add something? Team. I know. This is incredible. Yeah. Did you want to add something, Dr. Gunter? Yeah, I just wanted to say, and I think that that value that you're talking about, we totally agree. And I think that what we all we really need to do is listen to the athletes. Mm-hmm. Right? Like they're they're asking for it. Like just like our children. Us, the children tell right, us. Yeah. Right. They are telling us that they want to be seen as full people. They are telling us that they need support. And if you ask a coach, they'll tell you, oh, I want my players to focus and be able to be confident. And I want them to be able to handle the pressure. All of that comes from having mental skills and developing mental skills. So I think it's making the connection for folks. The things that you want them to accomplish are not going to be accomplished in the X's and O's. That's Mm -hmm. mental skills training, right? That's self-regulation skills that you want Mm -hmm. them to develop. So I think it's, it's, Increasing the value 100% and helping them understand that what they're looking for, that a pathway to that is to focus on 
enhancing folks' mental health and their mental performance. Hundred percent. There's definitely got to be a sense of autonomy given to given to athletes for sure from coaches. Sure. I don't know if it's because of the controlling factor. <clears throat> Excuse me, I'm trying to control, but it's got to be a sense of autonomy given to the athletes. So I'm 100 percent in agreement with you. I agree as well. And, you know, just like, you know, with if, if a player sprains his ankle or, you know, something happened, you know, they making sure that you, you know, back there with the trainers, you're getting that PT mm-hmm. or you're getting that cortisone shot or whatever you mm-hmm. need. I just want to make sure that, you know, and I'll say this to all leagues that are out there and sports teams, little league to, you know, the professional teams. The, the sooner we can take it from an integrative health approach, the better. Because, again, Absolutely. health is health. Mental, physical, it goes hand in hand. Everything that There's we talked about today, it is one body. Your brain mm-hmm. is your largest is organ, your body, yep. right? So when the players talk about stress and anxiety, coaches, listen to them. Parents, life coaches, whoever, folks in the league, listen to your players and understand that it should be looked at mind, body, and soul and as an integrative approach and not one or the other, not that out there on the island. Mm-hmm. Well, Absolutely. this has been truly enlightening. I know mm-hmm. I have learned a lot. Mm-hmm. I, I continue to just be excited about the work that's being done in mental health um, in the sports community and, mm-hmm. and the ways that we can tie our athletes back into, you know, sharing their lived experiences and, and just being able to have Dr. Kinsa Gunter and BJ Armstead mm-hmm. on our podcast today is, is certainly uh, a big deal for a little grassroots organization like Silence and Shame. Mm-hmm. So we thank y'all so much for being well, on here today. For, thank you for all that you do in the community as well and definitely appreciate the opportunity to be a part of this wonderful conversation. We thank are you. certainly grateful. Yeah. So any any final words from you, Dr. Gunter, and how can we stay connected to you? Final words are uh, taking care of your mental health is a lifestyle. Mm-hmm. It, it's not a one-time thing. So we have to think about not just mental health in this moment or that moment, but mental health 365 and, mm-hmm. and thinking about the ways in which we are taking care of ourselves and each other from top to bottom. And so I think that's really important. Um, the ways you can find me, I am on Twitter um, at Dr. Kenza, that's at D-R-K-E-N-S-A. And I'm also on LinkedIn. Just type in my name and it should come up. But that's where folks can find me. Awesome. And BJ Armstead, how can we stay in touch with you? And any final words? Uh, final words, I would say um, there's a difference between who you are and what you do. Um, mm. Please take care of your mental your mental health. Um, take care of your, your whole, your mental wellness, mental performance. You're an athlete. I mean, and even in life. Um, Ms. Shanti Das, I've been following your work for a while. Really? You are amazing. Shut up. Yes. I, for, I, amazing. Thank you. I've, I, I mean, it's, it's amazing the things that you've been able to do. Uh, thank you for having me on this wonderful platform. Dr. Kenza Gunter, you know, I've been looking up to you since 2018, since I came out of Morehouse. Uh, we had a conversation. We, we had did. A couple conversations. Uh, mm-hmm. since 18, 2019. So, and you, I'm thanking you right now on, on, on this platform as well for steering me in the right direction. So, um, so yeah, thank you. Where you can find me, uh, website is apollosports.org. The, I have an Instagram at Apollo Sports Counseling. Uh, I'm trying to think what else, what else, what else. YouTube is Apollo Sports Counseling. And email is ApolloSports.365 at Gmail. So that's about it. We appreciate that. And I will say there is strength in number. So in 2023, you know, hopefully all of us can collaborate on something, continue to do the great work. I know when opportunities 
you know, present itself. I'll be calling on you all if you all are interested, whether it's for the organization or paid speaking opportunities. You know, I think you all are really uh, rock stars in what you do. And we're truly grateful. Um, Free, how can we stay in touch with you, my brother? Um, I am at Free the Vision everywhere. So anywhere that you are, Instagram, Twitter, everywhere, I'm at Free the Vision. Um, and also for Silence the Shame, follow Silence the Shame at Silence the Shame on Instagram and at Silence TH Shame on Facebook and Twitter. Um, be sure to like, subscribe, and share comment as well on this podcast and all of the podcasts that we have talk to us let us know what you think it helps us talk with you um and bj i'm just gonna say again like honestly man i am going to be quoting and using that anxiety is your body's response to a fearful future um that's something that's actually really big because the future hasn't happened yet mm-hmm. and so i think that mm-hmm. oftentimes it's us mm-hmm. living in our head yes sir my brother we no experience problem. anything so that's great Hundred percent. Yes. And you can follow me at Shanti Das 404 on Instagram and Twitter. Check out our website, website, shame.com. Uh, we are a 501c3 organization. If you like to donate, um, you can go to the website or you can text the word silence to 707070. Again, make sure you um, also go to BJ's website if you want to donate to his organization. And just remember, y'all, to give yourself grace and space. Time to heal, time to be seen, get friends around you, get that starting five, get that inner circle that BJ talked about, Um, really getting to a place um, where we can share with more lived experiences. Thank you, Dr. Gunter, for understanding the importance of lived experiences and how athletes and people in everyday life show up and and how we can heal in public. We have this this new campaign called Healing in Public. Mm-hmm. We had uh, Chris Hubbard, who's with the NFL. Uh, he's with the Cleveland Browns. He came to our gala and he shared his healing in public story. And so we're hoping to get more athletes on our platform to share their healing in public journey. And again, if you are if you or someone is in crisis, remember that there is a new number. You can dial 988 um, for easier access or you can still call the um Suicide Prevention Lifeline, which is going to eventually fold into that, but it's 1-800-273-TALK. And again, visit our website, Silence of Shame, for resources. And last but not least, make sure you take time, save a life, and silence the shame.